What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. I'm Peter Schack, now CNBC. Stocks are struggling to recover from the Tuesday sell-off, though the major averages have made it into positive territory several times. Right now, the Dow is down 57 points to 35,286. The S&P 500 falling seven points, or almost two-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq is right at break-even. Target reported better-than-expected sales and profits for the second quarter. CEO Brian Cornell told CNBC the quarter was marked by a continued increase in foot traffic in Target stores. Despite the earnings beat, though, Target shares are down 1.5% today. Shares of Lowe's are surging more than 10% after the home improvement retailer reported better-than-expected second-quarter results. That more than makes up for yesterday's nearly 6% decline when Lowe's shares fell in sympathy with rival Home Depot. And U.S. crude oil stockpiles have fallen to their lowest level since January of 2020, according to weekly data from the Energy Department. Inventories have been declining for several months. Peter Schacknow, CNN. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym... Avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses and automatically adjusts to keep you both effortlessly comfortable. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all smart beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Marcus by Goldman Sachs offers personal loans with no fees, ever. Banks offer coffee. So what's more important, a Marcus by Goldman Sachs loan with no fees that could help consolidate debt or bank coffee that tastes like bank coffee? You can money. Visit Marcus.com to learn more about saving, borrowing, and investing from Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Investing involves risk and investments may lose value. Brokerage and investment advisory services by Goldman Sachs and Company, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Lending and deposits products provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Green X Turf and Landscaping reminds all area listeners to please get out and donate blood to salute the brave men and women of our armed forces that are overseas. Every pound of blood donated locally can save one or two brave soldiers overseas. So salute our troops, give back the gift of life by giving the gift of blood. This reminder from Green X Turf and Landscaping, serving the area with pride and integrity. For the best in landscaping and lawn maintenance, call the pros today at 909-994-7097. That's 909-994-7097. Or go to greenxturf.net for more info. That's Green X Turf and Landscaping on the air because they care. It's okay if you're wondering how the COVID-19 vaccine got here so fast. 
It was record time after all. And when you're ready, here's your answer. No steps were skipped. No shortcuts were taken. Years of research and determination paid off. Let's get you there. Let's get to immunity. Learn more at vaccinateall58.com or call 833-422-4255. Brought to you by the California Department of Public Health. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Tahibo Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit TahiboTeaClub.com. Tahibo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T, and then the word club. The complete website is TahiboTeaClub.com. Or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's 818-610-8088. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare Benefits line now. It's easy. Call 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. 800 800-518- Two two eight one. This is KCAA. And now it's time for a brand new show on KCAA, The Uncommon Sense Democrat, with your host, Eric Bauman, a show about politics and contemporary issues. And now, here's Eric Bauman. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who didn't join us the last hour, I welcome all of you aboard. We have a whole new show with some very uh, important and a few exciting topics to talk about with two of my favorite people from the activist world. Susie Shannon, who is a member of the Democratic National Committee, Executive Director of Poverty Matters, works in affordable housing and seems to spend her whole whole life wrapped in issues of importance around people being housed and affordably housed. And Dorothy Reich, who's the, who's the president of Progressive Democrats of the Santa Monica Mountains, um, is somebody who has probably been an activist for more years than I can now recount and who is just fearless. Actually, they're both pretty fearless, to tell you the truth. And and we have a host of things to talk about today. Um, I want to start in an odd place, though. 
we face an election in here in California in less than um, less than four weeks, I guess, or about four weeks. That is an attempt to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. It has been funded by people affiliated with Donald Trump and the Republican National Committee out of Washington. It it features a host of characters, um, who the top tier, all of whom are Trump acolytes, all supported Trump, kind of anathema to most Californians, which is why Trump lost the state by over 30 points. And the progressive view on politics while the outcomes are off, that they seek are often similar to those that liberal and moderate Democrats seek, their view of the world is often a bit different. And so I guess I'll start this with you, Dorothy. What is the progressive view of the recall election and what its importance or, or, or what its pain would be to the state of California if these right-wing zealots, uh, Trumpsters, were able to succeed? Well, I think progressives, you know, are not thrilled with Gavin Newsom. He has he made a lot of promises that he did not keep. He promised to support Medicare for all. He did not. He promised to end fracking. He did not the litany of complaints that progressives have. However, one thing progressives do worry about is uh, flipping the Senate. And if we have a Republican in, and Diane Feinstein uh, can't continue, which is a possibility, we could wind up with a Republican senator, which would flip the Senate. And I don't know, Eric, you know the rules more than me. I don't know how long that Republican senator would be in office. I don't remember any special elections, so No, it would be it would be it would be it would be through the end of Feinstein's term. Right. She was That's just reelected. She was just re she was just reelected in twenty eighteen. Right. So, so some some people were saying to me that it that there would be a special election. I said no. So that's a big fright. Uh, you know, how much they can do some damage in a year, but we're having an, another election. So the big worry, really, for progressives is the Senate. And that's why they probably will come out to vote much more than anticipated, because that's a big worry. No. I, I, I would add some things to that list, but first I want to hear Susie's thoughts. Well... You know, if we, we being Democrats, lose this recall, um, it'll be absolutely devastating for the progressive agenda. Um, as Dorothy said, you know, the thinking is that Gavin Newsom isn't far enough to the left as it is. So um, losing the recall would mean that someone much more conservative would come in. And we have been relying on the governor to extend eviction moratoriums, put money into, um, you know, addressing our homeless situation um, and affordable housing and a number of other things. And to have a, a Republican in that position or a more conservative Democrat would, would pretty much wipe our agenda right out. Um, and so, you know, I, I just, you know, 
really important. You know, a lot of progressives um, are working to stop the recall, um, you know, and to make sure that Gavin can, um, you know, stay in office. Um, and, you know, the, everything that we care about is on the line for this election. Uh, and for, for someone like me who works with our unhoused community and who works um, with people who desperately need affordable housing, um, I just shudder to think what would happen if a Republican got into, that, into the governor's position. Um, I remember what it was like under um, Arnold Schwarzenegger when um, they would, for the initial budget, right, wipe all of um, our public assistance programs off the map and start at zero. Um, we don't want to go back to that. Trust me. Um, people are hurting right now. A lot of folks have been out of work for a long time. A lot of people can't pay rent. And to have a Republican governor in a position where they're making the decision to extend an eviction moratorium, to provide rental assistance, to provide, um, you know, assistance for unhoused community would be an absolute disaster. Yeah, the, the the Sacramento Bee and the LA Times both did very deep dives into the leading candidate on the Republican side, well, the leading candidate in the recall election, and that's Larry Elder, the um, right wing bombastic um, uh, radio show host from Los Angeles, Southern California, um, and. and they they basically documented a more than 20-year history of him being not just anti-choice, um, but of, uh, uh, we, the, 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 the sole issue, the, the two sole issues, I should say, where he has a more progressive stance is that he supports because of his libertarian nature, not because of his personal belief. He supports same-gender marriage, and and he he supports ending the war on drugs, but those are classic libertarian views. Uh, that is not mm -hmm. about what his personal beliefs well, are. You know, uh, progressives want to know ahead. why isn't Gavin out there fighting, and why aren't there any ads telling us about Larry Elder and what the what Republicans really stand for. They're there, I see four ads for Larry Elder and none for Gavin Newsom, and then Gavin Newsom doesn't even the recall, no on recall doesn't even have his name. But an interesting no. thing is, you know, Erwin Chemerinsky wrote an article uh, op-ed for the New York Times saying that this whole recall is unconstitutional, and now there's been a lawsuit filed by a couple of, and maybe you know who they are, Eric. They seem to be non-entities to me. Uh, filed a lawsuit to stop the recall. But I don't know why this right. wasn't done months and months right. and months ago. And why the Democratic right. Party it, it, didn't do it. it. First of all, it won't be adjudicated in time. And the second thing is... Yeah, because it wasn't the filed. Ta the, ta <laughs> the, the, ta the tagline of, of one of the major political journalists in the country um, this morning was, if that lawsuit succeeds and Gavin Newsom kills the recall... There's going to be one guy in America who's really pissed, and his name is Gray Davis. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you know, I, I, I want to mention I want to mention while we're still on this topic, I'm 
we'll drag it out. I don't mind if we drag it out. We have time. But um, Larry Levine, who is a regular on my show every month, who you guys know, been a political consultant for over 50 years, wrote an article last week in which he talked about how the Newsom campaign was, if you will, was failing to meet its mission. And what he said was, what he said was that Newsom is spending all of his money on these vapid television ads. I haven't even seen one. Well, you've seen the Elizabeth Warren ad. I mean, yeah, that's it. That's it. What has she got to do with it? And well, that's that's a big issue. And, and, and the voters that he needs to reach are not people who support. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders both of whom have been quite vocal. But what Larry Levine is saying is, if we've learned nothing in the last 15 years as Democrats, as liberals, and as progressives, is that the way we win elections is at the door. And that a good part of our failures in 2020 in the local elections was we could not exercise, exercise, the the standard kinds of campaigns that we normally do, meaning going and talk, having having our volunteers talk face to face to people at the doors. Now there is a plan for that to happen in California, and I believe it's primarily being steered by organized labor by the California Labor Federation. Yeah. But 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 Larry in his article said that he feels that the Newsom campaign should be investing much more and that the California Democratic Party should be investing much more in that process. And The only thing I've heard from Gavin um, Newsom is looking for money from me when he has $45 million already in the bank. How does he dare to say that I have to pay money to listen to the webinar that he's doing? Right. Well, the, 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 issue, the issue here really is, is that when... While we all have our frustrations and disappointments, not just with Gavin, probably with every living elected official, <laughs> um, I, I, we we have to sort of keep our heads focused and and look at what the obvious outcomes are. Anyway, I don't I don't want to drag that out any longer. I want to make sure we get to our other topics for the first half. And I really want to shift gears, if you guys are okay. I want to shift gears to something that is amazing. I, w- I was speaking to somebody about a, a week or so ago, um, s- somebody who is very distinctly in the moderate wing of the Congress. And, you know, I was asking, what do you think about Biden administration and working with Biden and how the Congress is working with Biden. And this guy said, stop for a minute. And he said, look, 
I'll tell you what's most amazing is that somehow Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden evinced this friendship, this relationship that nobody saw, that nobody knew, that nobody believed could happen. And suddenly Bernie Sanders is one of the two deal makers in the Senate and has been working in partnership with this White House on all the things that are good, including the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Um, as, as two people who supported Bernie Sanders, and not just once, but for a long time, what do you think about it? What's your opinion on that relationship that has developed and how closely they seem to be the, the, the Sanders team and the Biden team working together. No, Susie. Susie, I think it's... I, yeah, I think no, Susie's I'm here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think, um, I think President Biden had me at housing as a human right. <laughs> um, and I think we've sort of seen um, the Biden administration moving the Democratic Party, I would say, to the left of where the Obama administration had been. Um, I think, um, you know, even though this was a tough move, move for the eviction moratorium the last time around, this, you know, the, the $46 billion in rental assistance, the extension of the eviction moratorium, um, the stimulus payments, um, you know, there have been a lot of things that... Biden has done that aligns with the progressive agenda, you know, and who would have thought that, um, you know, suddenly we would be supporting cash assistance for people, right. Which used to be something that folks um, frowned upon and looked down on. Um, and we've now seen that obviously that helps the economy. It makes sure that people can stay in their housing and buy food Um and so I think, you know, it's been very welcomed. And I think that a lot of progressives have noted um, the Biden administration moving the party to the left. Is it as left as it would have been uh, if Bernie Sanders had won? No. Um, but I do think there has been a meeting of the minds. Um, I think, you know, one of the proposals from the Biden administration was to turn our um, Section 8 vouchers into entitlement programs so that anyone who qualifies for a Section 8 voucher would be eligible to get one. Um, that's even farther than most activists have been pushing because that's sort of one of those things where we've been be thinking, oh, it would be so great to have that, but we're not even going to put that out there because we'll look kind of crazy doing that. Um, and that's something that's, you know, been embraced by Biden's administration. So, um, so I think it's been, you know, I think we're much farther to the left than we thought we would be. I mean, part of that is the pandemic and the fact that people were out of work and really needed help. Um, but I think also, you know, Biden's administration has seen that um, some of the issues and policies that progressives have been pushing actually really just make sense. They make sense from a humanitarian perspective they make sense from a financial perspective, from an economic perspective, um, and it's been good, you know, and I'm hoping that we will continue to drift uh, farther left. 
you know, Dorothy, something notable came really came out this week, and that's that President Biden's uh, administration implemented a change to the SNAP program. For those of you who uh, don't know what SNAP is, it's food stamps. And it's essentially a 25% increase in the benefit, which, while it sounds huge, is actually only $36 a month. But they made the change, and they did it in a way that was permanent, not just mm-hmm. a temporary change. The last president, the, the last guy, as uh, Biden calls him, was actually trying to rein in and cut food stamps, uh, SNAP program, which not only hurts millions of low-income people in America, but it hurts America's farmers. Um, I, I know your human rights agenda. How does all of this strike you, and, and how different is this than what you expected? Because I know you're a hard Bernie person. And, well, and you, know, you know, Biden... Biden has known poverty himself, so he's much more sympathetic to those kind of issues. And I agree that he's moved to the left on that. That the the big fear we some of us have is whether he's going to be further compromised on the environment. He's already the this uh, Republican infrastructure bill is still subsidizing fossil fuel makers. So What's that? What's that all about? We're we're worried about that. We're very worried about his positions on immigration. People at the border are still not being treated properly. Problems at Fort Bliss. Problems with the children who are there. Uh, now he's thinking about uh, reinstating Remain in Mexico. He hasn't really lifted Title 42, which enables him to just turn away anybody because of the pandemic. There are a lot of issues other than homelessness and and poverty issues, which are vitally important. He also um, hasn't come out against the filibuster, which I'm sure that Bernie would be pushing mightily to end the filibuster oh. against voting rights, because none of this matters if we're going to have gerrymandering, which is starting now, and everybody went on vacation. And Progressive Democrats of America have been screaming that if we don't get the legislation passed fast enough, these maps will be will be cemented in place for the next ten years. So I don't know why what Biden is thinking that he's not out there screaming at the top of his lungs that we have to pass these voting rights bills, and why he's not twisting and breaking arms to get it done. Uh, I mean, I mean, and and I'll just say this because I because I I know uh, w- one of the things I love about you, Dorothy, is that uh, <laughs> you you can see, you can see the dark in everyone as well, well as the good. But I'm but, sorry, but 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 no no. But wait a minute. But but I want I want to say I want to just say the following because uh, I think it's important. I I think that Biden has. Uh, yeah, you know somebody that I have known for over 25 years. I think he certainly moved to um, the left of what anybody ever expected, and one cannot ignore the fact that he's been consumed by the COVID crisis and 
surpassing infrastructure uh, and and um, trying to get the um, you know because he agreed to that okay so we'll do this bipartisan infrastructure bill which is important to him personally not so much the content of it but it's that bipartisan bill that's important to him personally but then he's agreed to move all of the social agenda into the so-called soft infrastructure bill and i think he deserves credit for that and when when we come back um after the break which we're going to have to take in just a minute or two um i i want to actually come back and just briefly not not in depth but briefly talk about afghanistan um because it's a it's you know it's it's another situation that's all consuming i i think everybody forgets that biden's only been in office seven months um i think he's trying to keep moderates happy at the same time as he's trying to um keep progressives happy and trying to have an agenda that works um for everybody and includes everybody, incorporates everybody. And and honestly, I think he's gone further uh, in a liberal progressive direction than anybody would ever, ever, ever. But it's all going to get turned around if we, if we, if this gerrymandering. uh, Well, okay, that, 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 okay, but wait a second. No, it's not because they can't pass anything that he doesn't veto. So let's be clear about that. They will not yeah, have he, majority. We're, we're gonna, they will gonna, not have the. We're, we're going to lose the. We're going to lose the house, and we're not going to get anything right, but, done. So we'll have Dar- another. Dar- 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 Dorothy, that is why we have to get this bill passed. This uh, yeah. reconciliation bill. In any case, let us take well, a breather. The voting rights bill. We have to get the voting let rights us, bill Let us. Let us. Let us. <laughs> It's it's coming up. It's coming up. It's it's oh I please of course I will. Um, (laughs) It's coming up on the House agenda for a vote on Monday night I believe. So in any case, this is Eric Bauman, host of the Uncommon Sense Democrat, (laughs) right here on NBC Radio KCAA. I'm joined by DNC member Susie Shannon and Progressive Democrats of the Santa Monica Mountain President Dorothy Reich, and we'll be right back in just a minute. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yukaipa. Now, here's a new concept, digital network advertising, where businesses display your ad inside their building. If a picture's worth a thousand words, your company is going to thrive with digital network advertising. Choose your marketing sites or jump on the DNA system and advertise with all participants. Your business ad or logo is rotated multiple times an hour inside local businesses where people will discover your company. Digital Network Advertising, DNA, a novel way to be seen and remembered. Digital Network Advertising with networks in Redlands and Yucaipa. Call in the 909 area, 222-9293 for introductory pricing. That's 909-222-9293 for Digital Network Advertising. One last time, Digital Network Advertising, 909-222-9293. 
If you're looking for a full or part-time sales position and you have radio, TV, or print media experience, KCAA has a great opportunity waiting for you that pays the highest commissions in the market. KCAA is the only station in the IE that broadcasts on three frequencies, so advertisers receive three ads for one low rate. This makes KCAA a must-buy for every local business. If you're interested in a sales position with us, email CEO at KCAARadio.com. The Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands is serving up some really cool ice cream at La Micho Acana. Then get your chocolates and other delights from Seas Candies. Moms and future moms who visit the mall can cool off and relax while they get treated like royalty at Shiny Nails or Francis Nails and then pampered at Texture Hair. The Tri-City Center is filled with retailers who care about you. Shop at the Tri-City Center in Redlands and see why they call it the mall with a heart. K. C. A. A. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back to we are back to the Uncommon Sense Democrat show here on NBC Radio KCAA AM ten fifteen Loma Linda FM one hundred two point three in Riverside FM one hundred six point five in Redlands and San Bernardino. And I'm joined today by DNC member and housing activist Susie Shannon, and by the president of the Progressive Democrats of the Santa Monica Mountains, Dorothy Reich. And you'll have to forgive me because I'm choking right now for some reason. And so that's why I sound so weird. I want to um, I want to tease out one last issue about what we were talking about. Because it's kind of the lead into what we are going to. And that is that the president and his administration are looking to do some very unique things with housing vouchers, what we currently call Section 8 vouchers. And as a beginning of a conversation about housing and the unhoused and the state of homelessness in California, Susie, I want to ask you about what you think about what the Biden administration is trying to do with these vouchers well i think um when biden ran he had said that he wanted to um turn the section eight vouchers into an entitlement program so right now getting a voucher is like winning the lottery you're really lucky if you can get one um some of these waiting lists can be five to six years there's also um special vouchers that they have for veterans and for people who are unhoused also still very difficult to get. Um, so, you know, we can turn this around in our affordable housing crisis around by allowing everyone who qualifies, right, 
um, to have access to a voucher. Um, and then this will help us, obviously, alleviate homelessness. It will help people who, um, you know, would otherwise be evicted because of rent increases um, stay in their homes, which is really, really important. Um, and so, you know, I think that Biden has uh, a fairly progressive policy um, on all of these issues uh, related to housing. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's been great. It, it's even farther to the left than most activists have been pushing for. Um, and so, you know, it's very, it's very welcome. You know, this welcome policy switch, um, definitely from our previous president, but um, much farther to the left than even the Obama administration. Um, and it can really help alleviate poverty. Um, I think it's over 5 million, well, many million people are, are rent burdened right now uh, in the state of California, paying over 50% of their income in rent. And, um, you know, we all see that there's an increase in homelessness in our neighborhoods, under bridges, um, you know, along the freeways, um, in our parks. Um, and this can actually help address a lot of these issues. So um, for the over 500,000 people who are homeless in the country and the over um, 161,000 people who are homeless in the state of California, um, this would be such, you know, such a progressive, very important program here to address uh, our affordable housing crisis. Dorothy, Susie has twice said on the show today, uh, contrasting um, President Biden with President Obama, is sort of saying that Biden is even more progressive than Obama. And I understand part of that comes from the fact that Biden long had a moderate reputation and frankly acted as definitely acted as a moderate, but he's acting very differently uh, as, as president, and he acted differently as vice president. I never thought, though I have great appreciation and great respect for President Obama's presidency, Dorothy, I never thought of him as a progressive. Well, you didn't what about you? Because he, he was not a progressive. When we had the crisis, he bailed out the banks. And how many, how many hundreds of thousands of people lost their houses? Uh, he, he, he's showing now who, who he is. I mean, he showed all through his presidency. He, he killed people with drones. I, I, you know, I could just go down the whole litany of things that he did. But he, he was not a progressive. He never was a progressive. And I, I knew he wasn't a progressive. But he was. Better than the alternative. You see, Su Susie, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you some new phraseology today. We have what are called sunny progressives, and we have what are called dour progressives. Susie, you're a sunny progressive. You always see the upside and the possibilities and where we can go. Dorothy always is the sees the dour side. She's always well, seen the I, I, the worst. And by the way, by and by the way, that's why do you think I love you for so long? Because you know, I I I I know exactly who you are. I know what's in your heart, and I know your worldview is very very distinct. 
and I appreciate having you on um, because of that. Let, let's let's jump well, into I mean, this okay, issue. Look at these and, articles now, just just right now, what's going on with Obama? That he had his party. Okay, he's entitled to have a party. But when he had to cut the guest list, he cut all the people who helped him become president, and left all the the rappers and the Hollywood moguls. Those that he left them on the guest list, and he, he threw off David Axelrod and all the staffers, people who worked their hearts out to get him elected. They were on the, they were out, and the, and Hollywood and uh, whatever they were in. So I'll, I'll, really I'll agree. I was I wasn't on the final list, <laughs> and you worked so hard for him too. Not the first time. <laughs> Well, I, I, I want to I want to pivot. I really want to pivot. But he's cool. He's and, cool. And he, cool. He is cool. He, he is cool, and um, he certainly was a voice of reason. And and, and 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 by the way, before before we move on to the topic of housing and and the unhoused and homelessness, <clears throat> I want to say a few words about Afghanistan, if you don't mind. I think the president's policy was the right policy. We needed to get out of Afghanistan. We've been there for 20 years. We were running a maintenance operation at the cost of hundreds of millions of dollars a month, trillion dollars over time, with the loss of much American blood and American lives. And frankly didn't didn't ultimately do much for the afghani people because as soon as we we pulled out they pulled out so to speak president uh, karzai karzai was uh, out of the huh karzai was, karzai was the first one afghani yeah i mean he was he was he was out of there fast I'm glad we're out of there. I think the pullout was chaotic. Opium. I think they're. I. I think the messaging. This is the first time since Biden has been president that their messaging operation has just failed. And there's there's a lot of work recapturing the damage that was done, but at the end of the day. I truly believe if President Obama is able to pass the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill Five. on top of the American, the you know the American, and I shouldn't even say the reconciliation bill. I should say the Build Back Better plan because that's what it is, which is a combination of the American Family Plan and the American Jobs Act, um, and on top of the American Rescue Plan, we will have changed this country, the direction of this country. Uh, in, in a way that is as big as what Franklin Delano Roosevelt did, um, and 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 it's important and it's important that we get this done fast before we might in fact lose either the House or the Senate or heaven forbid both. Uh, I agree. And, and let us. Uh, but but let me just say a little bit about Afghanistan. Afghanistan, we should have been out of there less than a year after we got there because we had accomplished our mission. But we stayed. A lot of people made a lot of money. But it was a failed mission.
mission because Afghanistan is a tribal country. The, the, the people, the authority comes from the family and from the tribe. It does not come from the central uh, capital. People, you know, in, in the hinterlands, they don't they don't know what goes on in Kabul. That's a whole another world to them. They care about what's going on right in their neighborhood, and they go to their tribal elders for advice and for law and for maintaining order. They do not go to a central government. We tried to impose our idea of a democracy on them. It was never going to work. It was, uh, you know, I, I have to look at things through military-industrial complex and profiteering. And that's, the, you know, the people who invested in, in uh, munitions companies made a lot of money during the time that the Afghan war was on. And if you read the Afghan paper that they're printing in the Washington Post, you will see that we've been lied to, and the presidents have been lied to. Everybody's been lied to by the generals all along, just like in the Pentagon papers, where they keep telling us things are getting better, and things are getting better, and they're not. And then we we started with the night raids, and that those those night raids against terrorism, they turned the people further towards the Taliban because we were the ones coming into their houses in the middle of the night and hauling out their sons and, and fathers and shooting them or or, or oh. interrogating them and, and hauling them off to jail. We destroyed the country, whatever was left of it, and we need to get out, and I'm glad that we're out, and I'm very sorry that the optics are so bad. But well, we and I think... Yeah, I mean, this is one... This is one of those situations where they say you don't have a PR problem, you have a real problem, and right. this is one of those situations. I was against going into Afghanistan from the very beginning as part of the anti-war movement, um, and you know we see what's happened now, right? Um, there's a difference between policy. Of course, I agree with the policy to get out of Afghanistan. I have been pushing for that policy for a really long time. Um, for all the reasons that you mentioned, Eric. But there's a difference between a policy and a cohesive strategy and implementation of that policy. And so now we're in a situation where we have interpreters who are trying to get out, who were promised that they would be, that they could get out. Um, we have people who um, were applying for expedited visas so that they could get out, who were helping our military. Um, and they are stuck there, you know, and they are sending now emails to our State Department and to members of the House of Representatives and our U.S. senators saying, please get me out before I get killed, right? So this is somewhat of a disaster in terms of its implementation. Policy, again, I agree with. The implementation, however, leaves something to be desired, right? Um, and many people have likened this to what happened in, in Vietnam, of them being lied well, to. If they were told by the generals that they had months and months to accomplish this. That the, that the, that they they what Millie was on TV today. He said one of the outcomes was that the Taliban would take over, but nobody anticipated it happening in less than a year, let alone in less than a week. So look, I, I think I think I think I think having grown up in a very military family 
with with a father who could have had another star, but um, unfortunately he was a liberal, mm-hmm. and that did that. No, it's true, and it didn't sit well with superiors. Um, I I think that Millie is actually one of the most honest and legit guys that ever was there. Yeah. Like I also happen to think that Colin Powell was filtered, but that's a, not a conversation for today. I don't want to open it up. We can do that another time. We can dissect him. But um, well, that's what Millie I, said I, I today. Think... He said that of all the outcomes that, that they had, all these other outcomes, these outcomes that they anticipated, but they didn't expect the outcome that Kabul would fall fall in a week. That was not right. on their. Well, that was not on the list of of possible outcomes. I will say that the, um, and, and then I really want to get to talking about the the, the 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 housing and homelessness problem in California because I want to make sure we have some time to talk about it. But we should never have shut down that other airport because part of the problem with all of these folks who helped the Americans, who translated, who were guides, who served in all of those roles is that they're in the middle of the country and they can't get past the Taliban to get to the one remaining airport. And if we had that other air, had that other airport, at least that one main airport, and I forget what city it's in, Kandahar, I think, um, we'd be able to get twice as many people out of there. Anyhow, I, I want to pivot because we're, we're down to uh, about... 11 or 12 minutes of time and Susie give us a quick overview of the state of homelessness and housing in Southern California in sure. you know meaning well, L- L- meaning LA, LA San Bernardino Riverside you know this whole area yeah um so state, the state of California has an affordable housing crisis. We have over 161,000 people now who are homeless. That number increases pretty much every year. Um, in Los Angeles, which is arguably the homeless capital of the United States, we share that title back and forth with New York. Um, there are over 60,000 people who are homeless in the county, over 40,000 people who are homeless in the city. And then we have um, over 30% of our renters paying over 50% of their income in rent and um, 50% who are paying over 30% of their income in rent. So we not only are seeing homelessness increase every single year, but we're also seeing that more and more people are rent burdened, getting pushed out of their neighborhoods, um, and they just simply can't afford rent. So either they leave, they become homeless, um, they get pushed out of their neighborhoods and their children have to go to other schools. Um, so it's, it's a crisis. We have an affordable housing crisis. Um, and in the state legislature, the major housing production bills that are going through SB9 and SB10, um, which rezone our single-family neighborhoods um, to create market-rate housing um, with no affordable housing requirement at all and no homeless housing requirement is how our state legislature is reacting to this, right, which is not to provide the solution. Um, And so, 
we are in a state right now where we need to provide more housing for people who are at the lower income level and people who are unhoused. Um, so LA, the, the city of LA passed a measure to put more, a bond measure to put more money into housing. Um, but unfortunately that housing for like a 400 square unit um, apartment um, costs upwards of 500 to $700,000 <laughs> per unit. Um, so you literally, for anyone who is in LA and it's this, this would be the same, I'm sure, in, in the Inland Empire in San Bernardino, um, you literally could buy a condo for people, turn them into homeowners, and give them $100,000 spending cash, maybe 200000 in spending cash, for what we spent on a 400-square-foot unit uh, of housing for unhoused communities. So um, a lot of... Wait, 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 wait Susie, Susie, i gotta, I got to grab you for a second. You know, I'm a big, and I know we probably have a, a disagreement on this. I'm I'm a big proponent of at least for temporary and transitional housing, if not for, because it's certainly not for permanent housing, of the so-called little houses, which are what eighty square feet or whatever. But even those things were being gouged eighty thousand dollars a unit to build when they were building them in Sacramento for thirty-five thousand. And it's not yeah. that they're being done by union labor, because they're not, and they're not being built under prevailing wage. So I don't get yeah. how they got so expensive in in in, in Los Angeles. Well, it you know it's how you build, right? So we have been pushing for um, building through prefab modular housing. Um, and adaptive reuse where you take existing structures and you convert them into permanent housing. That is much cheaper. Um, and so to give you an example, um, County Supervisor Hilda Solis oversaw a project, prefab modular housing, and it created um, units that cost a little, a little over $220,000 per unit uh, for people who are unhoused. So we know that when we utilize different housing wait, models, wait, 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 hold, hold it, hold, hold it. I got to ask you a question about that. And does that how does that housing include uh, restroom facilities and kitchens? Yes. So, so you're really and, talking and about also, something something that could be permanent housing. It's not just transitional housing. Right. It's not transitional at all. It is permanent housing, um, and this is really the model. So if you remember, I had a conference um, in 2015 and I showed this video of prefab modular housing that they were doing in Europe that cost 50,000 pounds with a bathroom, with a kitchen, permanent housing. Um, and they did it through prefab modular housing. And so we have been pushing for this model since 2015. The bond measure passed in 2016 and they would never implement this model for prefab modular housing um, not to mention adaptive reuse, right, where you already have the existing structure. Um, although we see a little bit of the adaptive reuse in the conversion of the motels and hotels, the motels right, and where hotels, they put in right, kitchenettes. Right. Yeah, where they've, they've, through adaptive reuse, they put in, like, kitchenettes, they've remodeled, and they've turned them into something that's, that's livable for folks. Um, and that's much less expensive, too. So we are in desperate need uh, of, of a an alternative model for housing that's not 500 to 700,000 
and and up to nine hundred thousand in San Francisco. I should mention one of those units. Um, and so we have um, AB ten sixty eight, um, which was uh, authored by Assemblymember Miguel Santiago. Um, it did not make it, it. It didn't even get a vote in the Housing Committee in the Assembly. So it's ostensibly a two-year bill that would have to be voted on by the end of this January. Um, but you can see, on the one hand, we have um, bills like SB9 and Time running through, which, by the way, the LA City Council voted to oppose today um, and has very strong opposition, um, you know, in a poll that we took, um, 71% opposed SB9 um, and 75% um, opposed SB10. And this is basically to... Um, be able to, you know, to have developers be able to knock down single-family homes and put up, you know, 10 market rate units on that lot or two duplexes on that same lot um, for market rate. <laughs> so, you know, it's not actually going to help people who need the affordable housing. It's not actually going to help house our unhoused communities and the people that need it most. Um, what it's mainly going to do is gentrify neighborhoods and price people out of their own neighborhoods. Um, with these two bills. Um, so we see both, you know, that, and there was also um, a bill to um, get rid of the Ellis Act, which allows um, the conversion of um, condos, right, uh, or apartments to condos where they can then evict tenants. Um, and so that didn't get a vote in the Housing Committee either. So we really need to put pressure on our state legislature to address these issues. Um, if we don't address them, we are going to see increasing homelessness. Um, I don't know. I mean, L.A. is just coming apart at the seams. Um, and um, I think, you know, San Francisco as well and a, a number of other places. But everywhere we're seeing incre an increase in homelessness. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, somebody can make minimum wage and not be able to afford an apartment across the country um, is a huge problem. So we we really need to address this housing crisis. It needs to it is the number one issue in almost every poll that I've seen. Um, it is the number one issue um, that people are concerned about in the state of California. And we cannot get the legislature to act on creating more affordable housing and more homeless housing. Well, we're, we're down to the last two minutes of our show and. Um, though I would like to get Dorothy back in, I have to ask about one more question. No, 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 but I have to ask Susie about one more question. <clears throat> I spent a lot of time on this show talking about the COVID crisis. And, in fact, in the first hour when I had the two college professors on, um, we talked about this quite a bit today um, in, in with respect to students and teachers, what is going on with COVID amongst the homeless community, and 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 how does that interface with the rest of the community? So we have had some outbreaks here in shelters. Um, interestingly, where there is access to vaccines, a lot of our unhoused community where they're concentrated. So here it would be like Skid Row in the Venice community. Um, people have had um, access to vaccines. So um, once we were past the sort of outbreak stage and more and more people were vaccinated, it, it, it actually um, had worked out fairly well. 
Um, and then the, the issue, though, is folks who are in these sort of scattered sites um, where they're not sort of concentrated, there, aren't a lot of, there are not a lot of services, there are not a lot of clinics, there's not a lot of outreach, um, who, you know, remain vulnerable. Um, they remain vulnerable. I mean, people who are unhoused or in these scattered sites also remain a little isolated, um, which actually works, you know, their favor, um, you know, not coming into contact uh, with too many people. But, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, having COVID and being unhoused and living under a bridge um, and having to go through that, you know, you're more likely to die, um, as we know, the the for people who are unhoused to contract COVID, they are much more likely to die. Um, and I have all these statistics because um, I'm on the health commission for city of Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, you're much more likely to die. You will become much sicker than someone who is housed, um, you know, who has a comfortable bed to sleep in and, you know, a way to cook and, you know, a blanket. Um, and so, you know, this is, you know, it's quite devastating, um, but it also, you know, is a public health threat to everyone because as you have a certain segment of the population that doesn't have access to vaccines because they're not concentrated where services are, um, that just means that it makes it much more difficult to reach herd immunity. And um, uh, I'll stop you right there. Okay. I want to... I want to thank you guys. Uh, this I just is want to Eric jump Bauman. really quick. Another reason to yeah, stop yeah. the recall is because Larry Elder or any of these Republicans will immediately overturn the mask mandate and a lot of other public health uh, mandates that Gavin Newsom has put in. And we're going to be in, in uh, serious ab- trouble. Ab- absolutely, Dorothy. This is Eric Bauman, host of the Uncommon Sense Democrat, right here on NBC Radio KCAA. AM 1050 in Loma Linda, FM 102.3 in Riverside, FM 106.5 in San Bernardino and Redlands. Eric, take it away. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. AP News, I'm Tim McGuire. President Biden, in an exclusive interview with ABC News' George Stephanopoulos, says the goal is to have... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.